The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're doing kind of a special episode this week. Wanted to do our year-end awards uh, kind of thing. I mean, not really awards because I think that's weird. We're not actually giving them anything. But uh, (laughs) the people and things from AEW that we liked the most. Uh, So we got some categories we're going to be doing. Uh, in no particular order, uh, match of the year, tag team of the year, best promo, spot of the year, wrestler of the year, newcomer of the year, most improved. Those are different things. And feud of the year. So uh, we'll probably have some honorable mentions thrown in, um, talk about some different stuff that we liked, and uh, hopefully have some fun. So um, we're going to start off. Mike, why don't you get us started with what was your feud of the year in all elite wrestling? Yeah, so... uh... (laughs) My process of making my my list, every category had like at least 10 things at first. And I was like, man, I need to whittle these down. So, Joel, I had two finalists for this one, and I had a really hard time picking which one. But my two finalists were Adam Page versus The Elite and Chris Jericho versus MJF. Um, Both of these uh, feuds started well over a year ago in 2020, if not earlier, in the case with Hangman Page versus the Elite, um, it had every, all, both feuds had everything we wanted. You know, longevity, twists and turns, ways to keep things interesting. You know, feuds that last this long, um, we haven't seen in our recent wrestling history with other companies letting feuds fester this long. So, I, I was looking for did it did it start strong? Did it? kind of change and twist a bit in the middle and then how did it end so um i don't i I think both of these were good choices but i ended up going with adam page versus the elite and i kind of when i came to the conclusion was like how could it be anything else like this has been the story they were building since day one of AEW, the rise of adam page and just kind of the ups and downs of this feud from their the friendship with the elite to the kind of emphasis on page's instability his alcoholism um, the tag team title reign that they had and and then the whole build up in 2021. I just thought this was really well done. Um, Adam Page is a bigger star now than when the story began, which I think is a big thing you want to see from a, a feud like this. And we got not only do we have this interesting, compelling story between, you know, former friends, former allies, we got bangers of matches throughout this whole feud, not just between Kenny Omega and hangman page but hangman page in the elite hangman page had some stuff with the good brothers the dark order was involved throughout you know so um this was it for me and i think um it ended perfectly with what i think was one of the match of the year candidates at full gear 2021 um and yeah just excellent storytelling long-term storytelling that we're we're getting used to seeing now in aw this is not uncommon anymore so joel what do you what do you think of this feud in particular and and did you pick something different for your mat your feud of the year well i did actually i i considered both of the ones that you mentioned here but i went with a, a third option which we'll talk about in a minute but yeah i mean this feud was spectacular obviously involved my favorite wrestler in the company adam page and uh so i was excited uh for that i, I what kept me from choosing this was the kind of start and stop aspects of it where, you know, and and I think this was kind of something with Adam page this entire year is that it, there was a steady building of momentum, but there weren't a lot of like really big moments. Um, And so I think 2021, despite him winning the championship, wasn't actually like that spectacular of a year overall. When you look at like everything that he did, the breadth of of his Mm -hmm. work, a lot of his best stuff was outside of the ring, uh, which goes to this feud, right? The promos, the backstage stuff, um, the interactions with the Young Bucks, all culminating with a tremendous, you know, championship victory over Kenny Omega. And I think they did tell a really amazing story here. Part of this also for me, so much of it was wrapped up in 2020. And so I didn't want to go back into the history <laughs> piece here. Um, and so that those are the reasons why I didn't choose this one. But yeah, I mean, it, is, it was a lot of fun to watch. 
And I think the growth and evolution of this Adam Page character and him kind of becoming somebody that is kind of an organic hero of the people um, in a way that's not insufferable. I think, Mm -hmm. um, I think part of the thing that challenges, you know, Cody Rhodes with the thing is like, he's the anointed hero of the people. And that's a slightly different thing than, you know, just kind of organically becoming that over time Mm -hmm. through your transgressions and challenges and perseverance. So, uh, yeah. yeah, So the between Roman Reigns and Kofi Kingston over the last few years in WWE. It's, it's, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, what was your feud of the year then? My feud of the year. And, you know, I thought this was one of the things that popped in my head and I thought, no, that's recency bias. And then I looked at it and I was like, no, no, I think this is legit. Can I guess? Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was one of the ones I listed when I had my ten potential nominees. So, Joe, break this down for us. Yeah. It's- so, so I came with stats because uh, that's what I like to do. And uh, in singles competition in 2021, Hikaru Shida went 17 and three. Serena Deeb six and three. Uh, and three of those losses, three of the six losses that they collectively sustained were to each other. So <laughs> the other people that Hikaru Shida lost to were Britt Baker and Nyla Rose, uh, mm-hmm. champion, former champion. And Serena Deeb only lost to Riho, former champion. former champion. So we've got two people who are absolutely at the top of this division. Uh, two of the most, if not the most talented in-ring workers in the women's division. And they had three matches with stakes, with a storyline that was building outside of a title picture and Mm -hmm. really, really worked for me. All of these matches delivered. I liked the way they kept it going with Serena Deeb kind of interfering in Sheeta's business, but not like cutting promos and doing it in a traditional way. It was very action oriented, this entire Mm -hmm. feud. And I think it's elevated Hikaru Shida a lot. I think we've seen more of her personality come out through this feud. We've seen an angrier Hikaru Shida, a more Mm -hmm. dangerous seeming Hikaru Shida. And I think that's kind of the biggest benefit that's come out of this whole thing. Uh, It took something that could have been, yeah, it's it's still going, Uh, but it took something that could have been kind of cheesy with the, you know, presenting an award for 50 wins and turned it into something that was a really compelling angle. Uh, So I I love these two competitors. And I thought that this was and continues to be a tremendous feud, as we saw on last night's Dynamite Mm -hmm. that they'll be facing off yet again. So I can't wait for that. Yeah, I also like to how they they kind of set up that 50th uh, win ceremony with you know, doing it with Jungle Boy earlier in the year, you know, so mm-hmm. there was an expectation, oh, this will go smoothly. And her and, and Sheeta losing that match to Deeb was shocking. Like we just assumed, oh, okay, yeah, Sheeta's going to get her 50th win. It's going to be a big moment. And no, they used that 50th win, made it into something bigger, and Sheeta eventually got it. Wasn't it against Deeb in the tournament? She yes. finally got the 50th win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just kept, it's, it's, it's been, yeah, I agree. This has been a really great feud. And I think one of the big things from this is that it shows that AEW, can run a second women's storyline without the belt if they want to, when they want to. Absolutely. And uh, so another another piece of this that I thought was really interesting is that after Hikaru Shida dropped the belt to Britt Baker in May, we didn't see a lot of her. So mm-hmm. her making this return and going for her 50th win, it was like, oh, here's this person that we're just not accustomed to seeing lose. She was dominant for a year and basically never lost matches. And then, you know, here she is coming back, getting this honor for her 50th win. Of course she's going to win this match. And for her to not only lose, but to lose in a fashion that, like, she was violently and cruelly beaten in that match. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sparked this anger in her from a character perspective. And what we've seen has been some of the most compelling work from Hikaru Shida to date Mm -hmm. in AEW. And she's had an incredible run since the start of the company. So I'm, I'm really liking the direction this is taking. And it's my feud of the year. 
Joel, what was uh, real quick? You know, one of the other one of the other nominees I had that I, I wanted to just briefly shed light to was the very short but very passionate CM Punk Eddie Kingston feud that lasted yeah, what I, I thought three about weeks as well. Yeah, yep, three weeks, but it was a fire just in terms of promos and the match itself. I just props to those guys for being able to to, to do that in such a short turnaround. And um, yeah, any any other ones you want to to mention real quick before we move on? Uh, no, I, I, I don't want to talk about anything unnecessarily in case it factors into <laughs> Got it. one of our later awards. So we can okay. do honorable mentions at the end. Sweet. Um, Let's move on to most improved then. Yes. Indeed. Um, another one where I had lots of candidates. I, I considered Britt Baker, um, for this award. Um, but my two finalists came down to Tay Conti, Ty Conti and Dante Martin. And I don't, know how it can be anyone but those two um just in terms of in-ring work promo ability they both have improved significantly i ended up going with dante martin on this one joel um and i i have some stats for you too um he wasn't he didn't not he didn't have a match on dynamite from february to may of this year he was on dark a lot he had some stuff early in the year when top flight was still fully functioning um hopefully we get you back soon was it darius martin Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but but since the summer, he had amazing matches with the Seidel's. He had a four and a half star Meltzer match versus the Elite with um, both Seidel brothers and uh, on his team. Um, he was a Dynamite Diamond Ring finalist. He's had storylines which we hadn't didn't see from him before. Um, he stepped up, had that crazy you know match with uh, Malachi Black, and he just stole the show every night. I know his in ring work has always been amazing. But it seems he really did take a step up this year from an in-ring perspective. We've talked before that like he kind of has this like cockiness when he's in the ring because he just knows he can do anything he wants and he can wrestle almost anyone and doesn't seem outclassed. Um, and then we start to see some cool stuff with Leo Rush, um, Team Taz. This Team Taz feud appears to be continuing. I love that promo from the show uh, Dynamite last night with basically um, Ricky Stark saying, you cost me this match. You're never going to win again, basically. So I'm really excited to see where this goes, to see this you know, potential blood feud developing between Dante Martin, Leo Rush, and Team Taz. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel really good about this choice. It was, you know, I know you're a big uh, Ty Conti fan as well, and she's had an incredible year. Um Oh, you're don't smiling. Worry. We'll, Is we'll that talk your... about her incredible year. All right. All right. Well, I will I will finish there with Dante Martin, my pick for a most improved wrestler of the year. So I considered Dante Martin and I looked at it and he came into the company in November of 2020 and had all of three matches in 2020. So I kind of DQ'd him from, from the most improved category based on the fact that he wasn't really in the company last year. Um, he only had one match on television. Oh, I, I'm not and... looking at year over year. I'm looking from the start of this year to okay. the end of this year. All right. So we thought like, I'm not doing a, a year over year way. type of thing. Like, All right. that's why I put, you know, like, like Ty Conti didn't have a lot of stuff going on last year either. Well, I'll know? tell you exactly what she had going on because right, uh, right. she is my most improved. Um, and I think the biggest thing is her speed in the ring. And her confidence. Those are the two things that really stand out as having both improved over the course of this year and also improved over last year. So let's take drill down into the numbers a little bit here. In 2020, she went 6-2-1. and one, So she wrestled nine matches. Um, she beat Red Velvet. So that was like her biggest win. And she had a loss to Nyla Rose, which was her highest profile match. Mm-hmm. In 2021, she went 41-7. and seven. <laughs> 41 and 7 she beat nyla rose she beat the bunny and she beat penelope ford twice and then she lost in big matches with serena deeb nyla rose Britt baker the bunny and hikaru shida so you know six of her seven law lo- or sorry five of her seven losses were to you know really talented experienced wrestlers and you know a couple of former champions in there as well so mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good stuff from her. But one of the things that I noticed back when she was in NXT was that it always felt like she was holding back a little bit. 
and we've talked about this before, but that's something that you see sometimes with people who transition from legitimate martial arts Mm -hmm. to pro wrestling because they are capable of really, really hurting people. And (laughs) their training is to hurt people. So they have to kind of transition and learn how to redo things, do them in a different way so that they can work safe. And I think that's been a big step up for her. And she's working a little bit more snug. She's definitely moving faster. And her matches have gotten longer and more interesting. Uh, I think she has an offensive style that blends really well with some of the other top talent in this division. And I'm excited to see her continue to have high profile matches moving forward. So uh, Ty Conti is my most improved. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if both of these individuals were TBS and TNT champion at some point this year. Like it seems like a natural progression for each of them uh, to reach that. Um, yeah. I, I, I didn't do as much research on, on Conti cause I figured I, I guess that's who you were going to pick. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'll let Joel talk about that. But um, it was hard. Yeah. There were so many possibilities yeah. for, for most improved and, you know, depending on how you even think about it, um, mm-hmm. I mean, Eddie Kingston is somebody who dramatically took a leap forward this year. And as someone who could have factored in here, uh, really taking any one of the pillars. I mean, I don't think MJF had a huge leap forward. I think he was just already this good. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Jungle Boy uh, could have been somebody in this category. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's Sammy Guevara took a huge leap forward this year. Uh, so, you know, there's there's so many different places we could have gone. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's a tough award to give out. Yep. A lot of these were, were difficult picks. Yeah. All right, Joel, let's move on to what I thought was the hardest and most stacked category, newcomer of the year. Um, I looked at this as just someone who debuted in AEW. Didn't necessarily mean they were unheard of or something like that. It's just they're new to AEW. So, Joel we had a banner year for debuts in in AEW guys. I considered in this or people I considered in this, uh, for this award, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, Ruby Soho, Ethan page, surprisingly only debuted this year. feels like he's been around a lot longer. Um, and Adam Cole and man, it was really hard. I'm going to actually let you go first on this one. <laughs> so we just talked about him, but my choice was Dante Martin uh, because he really, he wasn't a newcomer though. He was, he had he matches wrestled in one television match in 2020 he had matches in one. 2020. <laughs> and okay. So he wrestled three whole matches in 2020. He wrestled 45 matches in 2021. And, uh, had some big singles wins, had some obvious tag team moments. But the the biggest thing for me with Dante Martin is that he's the person I'm most excited to see. When I turn on the television, Mm -hmm. like it is a guarantee that if Dante Martin is on and he's doing something, I'm not going to look away. I'm not going to try to fire off a tweet or, you know, text you about something that's going on. (laughs) I am locked in and watching this match. And Mm -hmm. that's saying something, because like you said, there are so many big names that came in to the company in 2021. And uh, for, for Dante Martin to still be the person that I just want to watch continuously Uh, Mm -hmm. every time he doesn't have a match, I'm a little bit disappointed because he's just (laughs) that electric and can do so many things that no one else can do. Uh, but yeah, he had a really amazing match, uh, with Lee Moriarty had a great match with Anthony Bowens, had a great match with Alan angels, uh, Matt Seidel, obviously that whole feud, um, people have probably forgotten his match with Frankie Kazarian, which was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, he, had a tag team victory over the acclaimed, which was absolutely spectacular. Uh, And, you know, he also had some bangers with some of the top talent in the company. These are all losses, but Miro, uh, Eddie Kingston, Will Hobbs, Malachi Black, and MJF. That MJF match was a real showcase Mm -hmm. for Dante Martin. And uh, he's the person that I'm, you know, most excited about. And, Although, yes, technically he showed up in... He's not a newcomer, according to this criteria. But whatever, you know, it's fine. Uh, you skirt the rules, it's fine. I- I'm going to go with uh, 
my pick here. And luckily, this panel is a panel of one, so I can be as biased as I want. So my newcomer of the year was none other than Christian Cage. He was doing the Brian Danielson banger match after banger match before he was even in AEW. And I don't care. Christian Cage is my newcomer of the year. Two of my favorite matches from this year were Christian Cage, the six-man tag at full gear, which I still, like, I've watched that match multiple times. It is so much fun. Really helped elevate um, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And then the first ever Impact, uh, sorry, Rampage match. We defeated Kenny Omega for the Impact World Championship. And this was nine months into Kenny Omega's AEW title reign. He didn't take L's often. So for him to lose to uh, Christian Cage and Christian Cage winning the Impact title, which is just awesome in and of itself. Um, that match was great. Uh, Kenny took the, uh, the kill switch like a champ. Love Kenny Omega taking moves. So, yeah, I... It was tough because there was a lot of newcomers um, this year, but I went a little bit with my heart on here and just seeing my favorite wrestler of all time join AEW and not only just show up, but just be awesome. Like Christian, who thought Christian Cage in 2021 would just be doing what he's been doing? Like he returned at the War of Humble. Everyone was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And then two months later, showing up in AEW. So Christian Cage is my newcomer of the year. And he technically actually, is a newcomer. <laughs> I, I actually think that's a, a better answer than saying CM Punk or Brian Danielson. Um, I, I would throw Miro out there as somebody who has was also around for a longer period of time and had a really good run. Um, but I, I kind of disqualified Danielson and CM Punk just we because... We knew it was going to be great. And we were so excited about it, like... Well, and body of work, right? Like they haven't done as much. Now, Danielson is very quickly catching up um, because like he's clearly here to kick people's heads in. And, um, you know, his run of fighting everybody in the Dark Order on the way to Adam Page uh, has has definitely kind of brought his his. Uh, his match count up within the company. But I agree. Christian has had a tremendous run. And I think the impact that he has clearly had on uh, Jungle Boy Mm -hmm. and how much improvement we've seen from his character work and his confidence in promos, uh, I think is probably largely due to working so closely with Christian. So um, I still maintain that it would be awesome for Christian to turn heel. And hell yeah, man, I want that at some point. Feud with Jungle Boy and Mm -hmm. like uh, it would just be a great way to continue to develop Jungle Boy and and get his character over more. Obviously, he's a tremendous wrestler. Uh, And I I think those two have styles that would complement each other very, very well. Uh, So that's a match that I totally want to see. Yeah. Other people I was I I, I really consider giving it to Ethan Page just because he's such a great worker and I really love the men of the year. Um, They're so good together and they're just like, I know they have Dan Lambert as a mouthpiece, but like they can do it on their own. <laughs> like, so, um, and I know how much you love Ethan page as well. And then, yeah, I, I kind of disqualified once I got down to it, CM Punk, Danielson, even Ruby Soho. Um, and she's kind of had a, like we talked about last night, kind of a lackluster run so far. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited to see who the newcomers are for 2021. It's going to be a wild, sorry, 2022. It's going to be a wild year. So, Joel, is there so, anyone else in that I'm just, category? I'm just throwing it out there right now that um, I'm, I'm declaring Mercedes Martinez an eligible recipient of Newcomer of the Year. <laughs> when you debut on December 29th, nope. you are eligible to be a newcomer. <laughs> it's like it's like if you only uh, if you only play a certain number of games, you're still eligible for Rookie of the Year the following year. Like, well, the NBA is weird. <laughs> I, that's not just the NBA. Uh, baseball's not, like NFL, that, too. Yeah. NFL's well, the NFL's like stupid. <laughs> oh, you're stupid. Oh, yeah. Actually, the NFL is very stupid. Yeah. All right. Let's move, uh-huh. let's move on, Joel, um, to spot of the year. And damn, there were some good ones. I had, I had a ton of nominees for this one. Um, I'm just going to read through some of them. Darby Allen doing the coffin drop into a coffin on top of Ethan Page. Um, Cody and Andrade flaming table spot, yep. um, which was wild. I still don't know who got that, got the worst of that. 
Um, Chris Jericho falling off the blood and guts cage. Uh, Phoenix with the splash off the top of the cage and the tag team title match. Pick any spot from that match. The Nikes with the <laughs> um, thumbtacks on him. Uh, Hangman Page pulled off a killer dead eye in the ladder match. Um, but I'm going with probably the mo- like, most surprising spot of the year for me. Chris Jericho putting Nick Cage through a glass sheet on dynamite. <laughs> not a pay-per-view, not on a YouTube show, on fucking dynamite. We got a death match on dynamite. Joel, this was also one of the reasons I considered Jericho MJF for feud of the year because of the five labors of Jericho. Um, we're both kind of down on Jericho right now, but that might've been his best stretch with AW going through the labors. I agree. And though I remember texting you when we were told it was going to be Nick Cage <laughs> versus Chris Jericho in a death match on dynamite. And this match was wild. There were so many crazy spots. And what was nuts about this the spot was it wasn't just oh he picked him up and slammed him he did a hurricane rana off the top ropes to put Cage Gage through this glass table so just crazy to see Jericho doing this at his age just also wild to see Nick Gage on national television like in terms of wrestlers who you never thought would be on national television he's would have been number one especially in this type of match so that's my spot of the year but there were so many good ones i'm probably forgetting some as well excellent choice uh and i i thought of a lot of the spots that you've mentioned um and i think my bias is towards spots that do not involve props Um, so things that are just like pure athleticism Mm -hmm. or power or strength. So one of the things that I thought of was Ethan page delivering the ego's edge to Lance Archer, uh, where he just (laughs) launched a gigantic human being through the air off his back. And like, it, it reminded me of, you know, kind of mid John Cena when he would just do these, strength-based feats that yeah blew the your mind. big show and edge at yeah. the same time yeah exactly <laughs> and it's like how how is he i don't understand the physics of that right so that was one of the things i thought of um various uh similar type feats uh but for the third category in a row uh dante martin is gonna take it home <laughs> because <laughs> the it just dude is the just dante amazing, martin awards right <laughs> I mean, seriously, though, seriously, though. So I have three different things. Any one of these are amazing. Uh, there is one that I think is better than the other two. Um, so the first one, and this was one of the things I thought of immediately because I still don't understand it, right? Is his little bottom rope backflip escape that he does where he'll put one foot on the bottom rope and backflip over a charging opponent and land like two thirds of the way across the ring. And I just don't understand how he does that. It's Uh, like the gravity rating goes down when he's in the ring. Yeah. We're at a hundred percent gravity normal. And he's like, yeah, this match is going to be 65% gravity. Yeah. So this next one would have been my spot of the year. Had it hit more perfectly, uh, which is the springboard shooting star to the outside on MJF. uh, And he kind of clipped him. So it wasn't quite a full impact but with all of his springboards to the outside he doesn't step up the ropes he just jumps to the top rope the balance the core strength (laughs) that it takes to do that is absolutely Mm -hmm. insane but i'm gonna go back to um his match against matt seidel in which he did a front flip stunner on matt seidel just from the ground (laughs) Didn't have a running start. He's just standing behind Matt Seidel and leaps over him, catches his head on the way and comes down in a perfect stunner. And it's just, it's so fast and so smooth and you could miss it, but it's, it's absolutely amazing. I think it was on dark uh, because that was where a big portion of that feud took place. Uh, And I don't watch dark very often, but Mm -hmm. I do specifically seek out Dante Martin's matches on dark because you just never know what you're going to see. The yeah. dude is absolutely amazing. And I, I can't wait to see 
you know, this continuing feud with Team Taz, thinking about the different members of that uh, faction, like, yeah, I want to see him against Ricky Starks. Yeah, I want to see him against Will Hobbs again. And I absolutely <laughs> want to see him against Hook. I'm looking at the rest of our categories. I'm like, how many of these can Dante Martin win? <laughs> I thought about like doing that as a gimmick and just having Dante Martin win every award. Best promo. <laughs> Open challenge. Malachi Black shows up. Tag team of the year. Any team Dante Martin is a part of. Well, he was in like four. <laughs> <laughs> all right well joel i i agree any everything dante martin does is it's spectacular like i promise it, i'm i promise i'm done with with dante martin i I, I, I think we've talked about this before and i think you might have said this but it was like when you like seeing Rey mysterio in wwe back in like 2003 where he's just doing stuff no one else is doing what makes dante martin so impressive is that this is the company full of freaky athletes who do freaky things and still Dante Martin is the one that's doing things you've never seen before. Well, and like I have years of under my belt of watching people doing indie rific flippity doos on, you know, tiny shows in front of 12 people. Mm -hmm. And it still blows my mind, the things that he does. And it's the effortlessness. Like you talked about gravity, not affecting him. That's how I felt when I first saw pack was like how does this guy do this stuff like th- <laughs> he, he it's like he can just you know move without he's the man being... gravity forgot joel but... right i mean that was literally a gimmick for him <laughs> but for dante martin it's actually true it's like yeah i'm worried that he might jump and just not come back down like it's you know <laughs> could you just imagine just him floating <laughs> I, I i put ray phoenix in that category too i think he's someone else you could have done this type of breakdown with the type of spots that he's capable of too. Um, Absolutely. All right, Joel, well, let's move on to best promo. I don't have Dante Martin winning this one. Sorry. Um, I had a couple here. Um, I had a really hard time trying to pin this down because I think we have seen some really good promos as of late. Um, I really liked the Cody. I will not turn promo and then basically turning <laughs> over the last few months. Um, but I'm going to go with that Eddie Kingston, CM Punk um, back and forth from right before, God, maybe two weeks before their match. Cause they kind of threw that together. Well, we made it to Wait. five categories before we got the same before one. We got the same one, <laughs> but this is also my promo of the year. And it just was so, so good. And he comes out and he starts off by saying, you know, you asked for an apology. And then he does that Eddie Kingston thing where he's like walking around and you can kind of (laughs) tell that there's an internal conversation going on with Eddie Kingston talking to himself inside his own head. And just the character work on top of the things that he said, which are amazing. Um, But I feel like this promo really kicks up when he's like, I'm going to tell them who you really are. Mm -hmm. And then goes on to be like this, this guy, this guy that you think is a good guy. That's that's amazing is trash. And here's why. (laughs) And Eddie Kingston is so effective at doing that and making it feel real. Like I have no idea if those two have heat. Oh, from yeah, 100%. their time on the indies together. I have no clue. They might be like really, really close friends for all I know. But in that moment, I was like, oh my God, he actually hates him. Like, mm-hmm. it's so, so impressive. And like, there were some great promos from MJF during the Labors of Jericho and MJF during literally everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, there are so many good talkers in the company. I thought Ethan Page had some really good promos early on in his AEW run. Uh, Britt Baker had some good promos this year too. Britt Baker, like everything she touches turns to gold, but this individual moment was the most real feeling thing that Mm -hmm. I can remember from this year in AEW. So absolutely my promo of the year. I think what was I loved about this too is we saw CM Punk as the first time in AEW be a dick and be a heel in 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 a sense like we were growing tired of kind of the rah rah I'm just glad to be here promos what's up Buffalo it's been a long what's up New York like like 
I was starting to get over it. And mm-hmm. since that promo, like we've had more edge with CM Punk. We've seen it with his promos with MJF here lately too. Um, you know, with everything that's going on. So I, uh, yeah, this, this, and just t- think about that match, that match itself, Joel, I, my favorite stat about that match, there was not a pinfall attempt until the end. Like they were just there to beat the shit out of each other. And I think it's my favorite CM Punk match since he's come back. Um, Cause there have been a lot of good ones, but I think that was my favorite one. Um, and yeah, we more Eddie Kingston in our lives. And I really wanted to give Eddie Kingston more awards because he's just amazing. And his whole his athletic or the players tribune article about his mental health and everything like just dude dude can talk dude can communicate with people in a way that not many people in wrestling or in general can just an immense talent so yeah absolutely wow. finally got the same one i'm <laughs> glad though it took five like i i was nervous we were gonna we were share a lot yeah um well we do have similar so. taste but i think uh it helps that you know we didn't try to think about this objectively and mm-hmm. we really went with like what our favorite things were because uh, because that makes a difference. I, I do want to mention uh, my favorite individual line from a promo this year was delivered, I think, by Kenny Omega uh, during the feud with uh, Christian. And it's, it's something to the effect of uh, seeing you here, man, you've lost your edge. <laughs> <laughs> Slayed me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to more Kenny Omega later, and, but and yeah. the self-satisfied smile <laughs> that like, Oh, I really nailed it. He's like, I've been waiting to say that joke for six months. Just needed Tony to book us together. So yep. That, that was great. All right, Joel, let's move on. Tag team of the year. I think I mentioned before the show that I didn't really have a lot to say here for it. a company that we've talked about how good the tag team division is. Um, I really only had two nominees for this one. And that was the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. And I'm going with the Young Bucks here. It seems kind of an easy one to do. Um, But they held the titles from November of last year to September of this year. They pulled off a heel turn while champion, which I always find impressive. Mm -hmm. I think that can be hard to do. Um, The best one I've ever seen with that was when CM Punk turned heel after holding the WWE Championship for like six months. Um, Yes, I see your face. So they didn't just pull off a heel turn. They pull off a face turn and a heel turn. <laughs> they, they've turned a lot. <laughs> they were heels when they won the titles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And then yep. they became faces and then they became heels again. Uh, so in because I'm just going to go out and say this is my tag team of the year as yeah. well. OK. Um, and so they spent 248 days as champions in 2021. So not counting the days that they were champions yeah. in 2020, 248 days. Uh, they had title defenses against Proud and Powerful, Jericho and MJF, Pac and Ray Phoenix, SCU, Varsity Blondes, Kingston and Mox, Pac and Penta, Kingston and Penta, and Jurassic Express. They went nine and one in their title defenses. They defended 10 times. That's great. And those Weren't matches, it? every single one of them, bangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they had one of my match of the year candidates where they dropped the Titus of the Lucha Bros in that uh, still cage match. So, um, yeah, I, I think their character work outside the ring, too. Like, Joel, remember all summer is like, I fucking hate them. There's so, someone needs to beat them like they they really like I, I don't usually hate heels because like I need to hate heels like what they tell me to do but I legitimately like hated the bucks for the last six seven months because they've been real tool bags <laughs> they just continually got more and more insufferable when mm-hmm. you thought like oh that is the most obnoxious thing you could possibly do the next week Nick Jackson comes out with an earring with a chain that connects to his nose ring <laughs> and it's like Ugh. yep and then the things with the sneakers too you like when the dior nikes came into play i'm like oh, of course they're telling us how much they paid for these i'm a sneaker guy i know how much they paid for these and it makes me it annoys me that they're telling me how much they paid for these um yeah i, I thought they were just really in control of the characters in rings never the issue with the bucks like we know they're gonna be at five star out of five star 
any given night. So just seeing the character work, like you mentioned, the, the teams they feuded with, the teams they had bangers with. Yeah. Lucha Bros, I, I really liked, but I think because they kind of had stop and go based off of travel issues. That's some weird iterations with pack throughout the year too. Um, but they definitely have finished the year strong since winning the championship in a really cool feud right now with FTR um, with for the AW championships and then the AAA championships. Seems like they're going to have a tag team title match against Lucha Express, not Lucha Express, Jurassic Express. I get that wrong every time. I never get you, Jurassic you Express. It's because of time. Luchasaurus. I know. Fucking whatever. So yeah, I. but yeah, this was one of the easier ones to pick in the Young Bucks. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think it's impressive that they only had, um, I think 12 or 13, they had 13 tag team matches in the entire year. 10 of those are title defenses. Jeez. Everything else was (laughs) either a a six man tag or an eight man tag or a 10 man Mm -hmm. tag. So, you know, they, put the titles on the line almost every time they wrestled a straight up Mm -hmm. tag team match. And, you know, that's really, really impressive. Uh, They held the titles the way you want a champion to hold the titles. They didn't defend them all the time, but Mm -hmm. it was enough that, you know, you got to see it and it wasn't always on the pay-per-views or the big named shows. Uh, They really worked hard and it is difficult to be truly hated as a heel in modern wrestling and they pulled it off yeah and they pulled it off without being unnecessarily edgy like yeah yeah you don't have to be like racist or misogynistic or yeah they weren't pulling jericho or dan lambert style promos on their opponents yeah and i think there's got to be something to be said for that because you know that's not how you should be trying to get over as a heel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they just got it over. They, they played it smart. They were annoying. And also, you know, um, they got to They got to stop having Brandon Cutler spray those aerosol cans all the time. Like the ozone layer, you know, it, we don't want Brandon Cutler to be the reason it finally <laughs> goes away. So maybe cut back on those. But Joel, let's move on to um, two remaining categories, probably like two biggest categories. Uh, wrestler of the year and Joel I had two finalists for these and I have a feeling you picked one of them as your wrestler of the year but my finalists are Kenny Omega and Britt Baker did you did you take did you take Britt Baker there was only one person in my mind who was a a possibility for this award and it's Britt Baker this was the year of DMD and there's so much that could be said about her run, uh, but truly incredible uh, start to the year, end to the year, everything in between. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even keep track of all the things that happened in 2021 for Britt Baker because she didn't have a very good 2020, really. She spent most of it injured and, mm-hmm. you know, not available she was very entertaining but she didn't really get to accomplish much in terms of in-ring competition pursuing titles having you know she had that amazing feud all summer with big swole um that culminated in a match that it seemed like maybe physically she wasn't quite ready for for. Mm -hmm. um and while it was really entertaining you know didn't quite get there but in 2021 she had the best match with every top talent in the women's division. Like any one of them you could point to and say, who have they had their best match with in AEW? And it's Britt Baker. Like Mm -hmm. Thunder Rosa's best match was with Britt Baker. Hikaru Shida's best match was with Britt Baker. It tied Auntie, you know, (laughs) and you can just run down the list and you know, it's, it's, it's everybody. So, I do have some stats, <clears throat> which I'll get into here. Uh, she went 19 and two in official singles matches. She did lose three overall. Her losses were to Thunder Rosa, Nyla Rose, and Riho. So Nyla Rose, she lost to before she won the title. Uh, and then... Uh, that was in the Eliminator tournament, correct? Uh, yes. 
I, th I think that's correct. And then Rosa, she lost to in the unsanctioned match. So that's why her record is 19 and two. And then she just <laughs> yeah. lost to Riho um, mm -hmm. in that uh, Black Friday uh, surprise match. Yeah. And um, so really, really great run. Uh, and for a star of her caliber to have 21 singles matches is a big deal. Um, I mm -hmm. looked at the other uh, top competitors in the men's and women's divisions and the majority of them uh, do not have that many um, singles matches. In particular, every single one of her singles matches was on Dynamite or on Rampage. None of that's on Dark. So uh, really great stuff from her. In 2021, she defeated Thunder Rosa, Hikaru Shida, Nyla Rose, Red Velvet, Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho, Anna Jay, Abaddon, Ty Conti. Uh, I mean, just really, really impressive. She's had the championship mm -hmm. at this point uh, since May 30th. So all of June through the end of the year. And frankly, I, I don't know when you take the belt off of her because it doesn't feel like you need to. And it's not still uh, yet. We're not, we're not tired of it. It's not like with the young bucks this summer's like someone get this off, get the belt off of them. Um, I think my big thing with Britt Baker is why I considered her for most improved as well as I don't think she was capable of, of carrying a division from both a promo and in ring standpoint. Cause I think she's really stepped her in ring work up this year. She's always been awesome on the mic. Like that's why that whole feud of the last summer, two summers ago where she was recovering from the knee injury worked with big soul because she was able to carry it just by character work. But I think she really stepped up. Um, I I've been watching a lot of dragon ball Z lately, Joel, and there's a, a concept <laughs> in that show that after every match is saying gets stronger. It just feels like after every match, Britt Baker gets better and better and better. Um, because it just seems like I haven't, I don't think we've seen her plateau yet in terms of ring work. I think she can get insanely better there. So but yeah, I I I I mentioned I had her and Brit, uh, her and Kenny Omega as my finalist. I did pick pick Britt Baker, but that's not not Kenny Omega had a hell of a year. He held what the AAA Mega World Championship, the Impact World Championship, the AEW World Championship. He probably had other championships in that time frame as well. He defended the belt against God, John Moxley, uh, Pack, George Cassidy. Um, Hangman Page, like it was just, and he had God two of my favorite matches this year with the draws with Brian Danielson and Hangman Page. Um, so yeah, while I picked Britt Baker, I also want to give a shout out to Kenny Omega because this is the Kenny Omega I think we both wanted when AEW was announced. This was the Kenny Omega we couldn't wait to see, and we had a nine no an eleven month title reign that I never felt you know got boring and yeah agreed there were yeah there were amazing matches throughout his character work throughout the year too same thing with the bucks he was just this heel that you wanted to hate like you didn't need to be forced to hate him told why you need to hate him you just did and bringing don callison i think was one of the best things aw has done because it just added another dimension to the kenny omega character and to do everything that he did with the injuries that he mm -hmm had sustained. I mean, he was working hurt basically the entire year. I remember back in January, um, a press conference prior to their new year's show, him talking about how his workouts were so limited. He couldn't put any weight on the bar. So when he was doing bench presses, he was literally just pressing the bar because he couldn't put any weight on it because of the, the limitations on his body at the time. Mm -hmm. And then he goes out and has a spectacular match with Ray Phoenix for the championship. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that was a match that, I mean, spoilers for our, our next category. I considered that match for match of the year on freaking January 6th. He <laughs> almost had match of the year. And uh, yeah. truly an incredible run. I think he had to step up his character work because he couldn't do the things in the ring uh, that he's been able to in, in years past. And I'm glad he's taking some time off. I'm glad he's going to get some time to recover and heal his body uh, and, and, you know, take some of the stress off because I can't imagine how nerve wracking it must have been to go out with 
ankle injuries and back injuries and neck injuries. Shoulder and, injury, yeah. And just knowing that like something could go and I might not be able to finish this match. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's, I guess the confidence that you have when you're an athlete of the caliber of Kenny Omega. So, and goes to show the type of year Britt Baker had to beat that out for. Yes. Both of us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I didn't consider anyone else. I, yeah. I got to this category. I was like, Oh, it's, it's Britt Baker. It's no one else. No one else had as good of a year was as consistently entertaining and did more to elevate their division uh, than Britt Baker. All right, Joel, let's get to our final category match of the year. And I'm just going to read off some, some, my, my nominees, and then let's have you read off your nominees and then we'll both pick our, our, our favorite one. Um, Katie Omega versus Brian Danielson at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I was there. It was incredible to kick off the show like that, to go to a draw. Amazing. That was on my list um, also. Adam Page versus Brian Danielson. Winter is coming. An hour long draw. Um, for me, the biggest thing about that match was I didn't know Adam Page could do that. So yep. to see also him do that was, a, was huge. Kenny Omega versus Adam Page. Full gear for the AW World Championship. Is that on your list? Surprisingly, not on my list. All right. Um, Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks at All Out for the AW World Tag Team Championships. Chip. I, uh, spoiler, I do not have any tag team matches no on my list. Team. I think right. I've learned something about myself, which is that I am tremendously biased towards singles matches. <laughs> <laughs> um, MJF versus Darby Allen at, was that Full Gear? Am I getting that one right? Full Gear? I believe that's recently? correct. Yep. Um, Christian Cage versus Kenny Omega for the Impact World Championship. Um, honorable bunch in here, Darby Allen and Sting versus Team Taz in the street fight, just because it was an amazing theatrical match that we cinematic match that mm-hmm. we haven't seen lately. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you my winner here. Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker and the lights out match from, was it St. Patty's Day, whatever? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That is that is my match of the year, Joel. I had that one on my list as well. Yeah. That's a really, really good match. Other matches that I considered, I I, I said already Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega, January 6th. Um uh, I had Dante Martin versus everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, I didn't. I, I wasn't that much of a homer. I was not that much of a homer, but I did have uh Jungle Boy versus Kenny Omega uh on mm. June 26th. Uh that match got me. There was a hot second I that I was like, wait, are they putting the title on Jungle Boy? <laughs> <laughs> was, oh, is this yuck. where this is going to end for Kenny? Like, what? Uh, and then I had Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb uh, round one on okay. my list as well, uh, just because that match had everything. I mean, it was a great story. It was a great match and a completely shocking finish. I did not expect Hikaru Shida to lose and uh, to not get her her 50 wins. So I, we talked about that earlier, so I won't get into it. Um, but my match of the year was Hangman Page and Brian Danielson, 60-minute draw. I, I, I agree. I did not know <laughs> that Adam Page could go for 60 minutes. And that's something that, you know, he's talked about kind of in character, but also out mm-hmm. of character that, you know, everybody knows Brian Danielson can do that. He's done it before. You know, he's, Kenny Omega can do he's, that, he's you know? a stamina monster, but uh, Adam Page, this was new ground for him. And I, I think this match just delivered everything that I wanted. Uh, it's the kind of match that makes you go home happy. Uh, and to see the culmination of Adam Page's growth over the course of the year and you know, he's still the anxious millennial cowboy, but <laughs> now he's also the anxious millennial champion. And this for that to be his first title defense and and then the character work of him not being happy. The time limit draw happens. He grabs the belt. He stalks out of the ring and you can tell like his in his mind. It's I didn't get it done. It's not, yeah. I'm still the champ. It's not, okay, you know, I, I, I can move on. Survive it's, by the skin of my teeth. Like, it, no. There's no survive in advance for for Adam Page. Like, he wants to win. He wants to prove that he belongs in this category. And, you know, we've talked about before, he's the first uh, 
champion, AEW world champion who became a star in AEW. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's a big deal. And we talked about how he was, I think the first person who was announced as signing with, with AEW out of the gate, you know, after the bucks and, and, um, Kenny Omega, well, Kenny Omega came after because Kenny Omega's deal. Oh, that's right. NJP, that's right. NJPW actually expired a little later. So it was the Bucks and Cody were like yeah. the first net mm-hmm. ones. And then it was Hangman Page and then MJF at that press conference mm-hmm. was was a, was like one of the first people to come out. And then we Pac had, was pretty early on. Pac, Chris Jericho. Jericho. But yeah, Kenny Omega was a few weeks later, um, which is crazy. So Joel, question was loot was Thunder Rosa Britt Baker your match of the year before this match happened? Like when you were thinking about, yeah, I, I think okay. so. I, I mean, it it was a match that made two stars, right? Like and, and, both of them went up a level when they had that match, and everybody started to think about them differently. And um, <clears throat> I think it I, also I changed a... like what we thought could happen in the women's division because I, mm-hmm. I think I know it's it's born out of sexism, but we have this idea that certain matches aren't going to be put on in the women's division in a major wrestling company on TV um, because, you know, you can't get away with, you know, having thumbtacks in a women's match and having the kind of blood and violence in, in a women's match that you can in a men's match. And obviously like that's bullshit, but you still kind of have those thoughts in the back of your head. And I think this match changed that for a lot of people, myself included. Yeah. I, I looked at it. I picked this. Well, one, it was an amazing match, but two, just the historical importance of it. You know, like you said, we, we'd never seen this before on American television. Um, hell, even going to indie shows, I hadn't seen this type of women's wrestling before. Um, and we've seen it done since, you know, we saw Britt Baker versus Abaddon a few weeks ago on rampage, uh, have a, have a similar type hardcore match. We're seeing a tag team match this Friday night on rampage with Ty Conti, Anna Jay versus the bunny and Penelope Ford. Um, that all reviews, no spoilers was amazing. So yeah, it, it, it was a big deal because, you know, it allowed the women to do something we never seen before. It also was, you know, I can't think of many times AEW's had the women in the main event. This closed the show on dynamite and yeah, it, it made two stars. Brett Baker would go on to win the championship within a few months of this match. And Thunder Rosa, God, we've talked about her as one of the best workers, not just in the women's division, but in the company as a whole. And we've seen that lately, too, with her matches in this uh, this TBS championship tournament. Um, I hope they revisit this feud. There's been talks that they want to do another Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker feud as kind of big money for the championship. Um, in my eyes, if you are going to take the championship off of Britt Baker, I think Thunder Rosa would be a perfect person to take that belt and carry the division um but yeah and some of the spots in this match dude like <laughs> the with the the thumbtacks like you said and Britt baker had kind of like a, a some a, all like a it's like a, the air raid a, crash yeah uh, through the, the ladder mm-hmm. yeah at, at the end of the match like it was just wild stuff table and, spots i mean yep, we had everything you could ask for blood very early on in the match mm-hmm. um but yeah but in terms of making stars, the, like you said, they both came out better than they did before the match. And yeah, that's that's why I picked it. This was a hard category, though, Joel, um, because we had some pretty amazing matches this year in AEW. Um, I, God, since the beginning, we've talked about how this company can give us a five-star match on any given night. So, yeah. I mean, Joel, all of these categories were difficult to to choose because minus tag team of the year. I didn't find that one that hard. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think there were a ton of really good tag teams, but this year felt like the the momentum in the tag team division was a little bit different, um, probably because of some of the travel issues and mm-hmm. injuries that occurred that kind of disrupted some of the tag teams. Um, and then all of the you know, faction warfare that we saw that tied up teams like FTR and proud and powerful, uh, from, from being able to, to really like really dig into the tag team division. So, Mm -hmm. um, I hope that we get a bit more of a focus on the tag division in 2022. Um, 
Uh, but, but my main, and I guess this is maybe a, a good way to close out, is like, what do you want to see from AEW in 2022? Um, and I've given this some thoughts. So I'll go first so you can kind of think about it a little bit. But it's it's the women's division for me. It's we, the talent it's is It's not Dante there. Martin, world champion? I mean, that too. <laughs> but the talent is there. They are ready. And there are so many women that are available on the independent circuit that could be brought Mm -hmm. in to bolster this division and create some new matchups, some new feuds. And we need to be consistently (laughs) getting, you know, multiple segments involving the women on dynamite and on rampage. The, you know, I, I was on Twitter the other day and someone said something about like, I keep hearing about the AEW women's division, but you know, I'm not seeing it on TV. Uh, And the replies were all like, it's on dark. It's on dark. It's on dark. And it's like, okay, so these matches are happening. They're just not being given the spotlight. And to me, that's, that's unacceptable. There's, there's way too much talent for them to be relegated to YouTube shows. And uh, that really needs to be a focus moving forward. And uh, Tony Khan needs to be less touchy about it. Like, yeah, that's been annoying. <laughs> when you have a flaw, you 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 know we we all we appreciate what you've done for pro wrestling. The, we love this company; it's great. Mm-hmm. But when you're you, nobody's going to be perfect. But when someone points out the thing that you've not gotten right thus far, like yeah, you know, that's what billionaires do, though, Joel. <laughs> <sighs> um, in terms of what I want to see, yeah. the I think we both agree on the women's division. I don't think I would have said as elegantly as you, so I'll I'll let you have that. But for me, I want to see the Forbidden Door with New Japan Pro Wrestling really open. We've got some teases, you know, with um, Ishii, uh, Suzuki, but I want Okada. I want Kota Ibushi. I want uh, Tanahashi. Like, I want these guys in AEW to... do some crossover. If it, I know it's been tough with travel restrictions, and I know there were plans to send some people to a, uh, Japan, but I want to see Okada, Brian Danielson, or Omega versus Abushi, like we've been wanting to see for years. They've teased us with it. We've seen the Forbidden Door with Impact, with the NWA. I I, I want those bigger NJ, NJPW stars to be involved. And that's nothing against the ones we've seen, but I want those big stars, Joel. Well, I will have a secondary item then as well. Uh, and this I'll keep brief. Uh, two words, Jonathan Gresham. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, it. I, I'll keep it. Brief. That's it. Yep. 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 Up, up. Give me Jordan Grace instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have her. And and yeah, we um, that would be oh uh, third thing, not related to AEW. I hope Ring of Honor does actually come back because I yeah. I uh, Joel, you you got me into it when my WWE defection began. Um, so I I have a special place in my heart for for Ring of Honor, and it'd be nice to see them actually come back like they planned. They say they are. So it'd be interesting to see if they go more of like an NWA route where they allow their title to be defended on different. I'm not talking about like current NWA, but like when mm-hmm. Billy Corgan first yeah. bought the rights and before they were producing their own shows where Nick Aldis was just showing up places and defending the title yeah. and really generating. That. Jonathan Gresham has some title matches on some <clears throat> shows here defending the Ring of Honor championship. I can't remember whoever is the pure champion holder. Um, uh, have Titus, title, I think. Yes, they've had they've had some title matches outside of Ring of Honor here lately. Um, now, obviously, that's probably because Ring of Honor is in a promotion right now. But mm-hmm. um, it would be nice to see them pop around. And you'd have to think with Jay Lethal and AEW that Jonathan Gresham would, you know, you know, since they're buddies and stuff, uh, that that's something we see. And there's been rumors of him backstage at shows and stuff. So we'll see. I mean, I'm also I'm just going to be really excited for him if he starts doing his own thing, like as a promoter, he's putting on a show in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, I will definitely be um, watching that if I can. Uh, I haven't seen if they've Mm -hmm. announced that it's going to be streaming anywhere. I'm sure it will be. Um, But like 
the matches on that show are incredible. Um, also going to be watching uh, my first Impact pay-per-view ever um, in January. It? It's uh, January 8th. So not want, this Saturday, want, but next Saturday. You want to do a bonus pod? Uh, I mean, it. maybe. We'll, we'll, I'll watch we'll it. see. <clears throat> one, one last thing. With all the newcomers, did you see Orange Cassidy? AEW put a, pic, a video out of Kyle O'Reilly debuting last week. And Orange Cassidy tweeted, where are all these dudes coming from? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Joel, uh, anything to say before we uh, celebrate the new year? And I mean, anything to say? 2022 is going to be a great year to join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order, guys. See you next year. Love that joke. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.